Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. got a treat today for Song of the Soul, a passionate, thoughtful, and powerful man, Mark Morgan. Mark is, perhaps, best known in the region for his work with the Midwest Renewable Energy Association and his alternative buildings, like straw bale and earthen floors with wind and solar for power. And music just bubbles out of him and around him. I'm thankful for his soulful heart and the fact that he's willing to share his song of the soul with us today. Mark, I'm really glad you could join me for Song of the Soul, especially on such short notice. Thank you, Mark. How bad was it trying to whittle down from your vast array of music the songs that were for your Song of the Soul? I love so much music and it's changed over the years. It was difficult. Let's give folks uh, an idea of your background, where you started from, where you came to. And I'm talking about that on a soul level and on just uh, where you live physically in the world. Well, first there was mom and dad. (laughs) Born in southeast Wisconsin, wanted to be a carpenter, so I became a carpenter. Through the years that moved into sustainable building, passive solar, active solar, downsizing buildings, in the middle of that, had two sons, which became a really big part of my life. Didn't invite it necessarily, but it happened. And I've loved being a dad. When people have asked me in the past, what do you do? Well, for the last nine years, I've been a single dad for many years before that, a very active dad. And that has been the biggest part of my life for the last 20 years. And then my work and then my loves. 
Were you given any kind of religious upbringing? Yes, I was raised in uh, Lutheran Church. Uh, my mom was a Catholic. My dad was Salvation Army. Most people don't realize that that is actually a church. And, of course, the Catholics nor the Salvation Army wouldn't allow a Catholic or a Salvation Army to be married in their church. So my parents became Lutheran. And I stayed in that church fairly active until my late 20s, early 30s. Do you know what variety of Lutheran? It was the uh, ELCA. But it was a Bible thumper, brimstone and fire, hammer on the pulpit, German Lutheran type church when I grew up. It eased off over the years. Was confirmed Lutheran, was in the church choir, was the youth group director, sat on the council, was married in the Lutheran church both times. <laughs> but uh, I just uh, fell away from it. It didn't suit me. When I was younger, I had a friend that never seemed to go to church. And I asked George one day, I said, George, why don't you go to church? He said, well, my dad says, them who needs it goes to it. And then later in life, one of my best friends is now an ex-Lutheran pastor. I met him when he was an associate pastor at a church. And they were kind of riding out on a rail, per se. They didn't like his activities. And and I was walking with him one day outside the church. I said, how come there's so many hypocrites in the church? He says, Mark, what a better place for them to be. So those are the two profound statements in life that brought me kind of to where I am in a spiritual place, not a religious place at all now. So you stopped having much to do with Lutherans. Did you have any other spiritual leadings or religious leadings in between then and now? I really moved, always had been interested, called to more of the Native American spirituality or the pagan-based, if you want to call that religion. i rather speak to it as a spirituality. Just have eased into it over the years. Medicine cards, drumming, some of the songs that you'll hear very much in the woods. That's my, that's my church. Well, let's talk about you and music. You mentioned being connected with the choir there in the church. So what, what has been your connection to music early on? Have you played an instrument or has it been all voice? actually started out singing in Sunday school choir as a really young kid. Picked up a trumpet mostly, but cornet, flugelhorn, a baritone, sousaphone, tuba. I played them all in junior high and in high school. Pretty much gave that up years ago. Tried the guitar. Well, I can play a few chords and a few notes. I, I dabble with the Native American flute for myself on drumming. But in junior high, I had a, an amazing choral leader choir leader. We wound up cutting three records in ninth grade. I went to State Soul Ensemble in ninth grade. We sang at St. Olaf College and Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. And I had a great, great time with that. And then just backed off it over the years, sang in some weddings for some people and singing in the shower and, and things. I'd like to do more of a choral now, start singing again. We'll see once Nate's gone if I have time. Let's jump into the music. You've got some really great songs picked out here. Tell us about the first one that you picked out by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Teach Your Children Well, that spoke to me way, way, way back in life, long before I was a father, but it spoke to me of my grandfather and my dad and my relationship with them. Was that a good relationship? Very good. Was your father into music, too? If he heard your music, if he heard Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, would he approve? 
No, he wouldn't. He wasn't in music. He actually can't read music. He sings now and again. He's got a nice voice, but he sings quietly and softly. He enjoyed uh, polka music, things like that, and was uh, quite opinionated about rock and roll. So no, back then he wouldn't have. Nowadays, though, it's a different it's a different dad, and it has been for 20-some years, really. He's been more accepting of listening to music, a wider variety. Is it the line where you say, teach your parents well, that makes you relate this one well to your father? It was that, but also my grandfather had said to me early on in life, I think I was 15 or 16, he said, you know, when I was your age, he said, I I just hated my dad. I couldn't wait to get away from my dad. As a matter of fact, I joined the Army to get away. He said, and, you know, I was gone for two years, and I came back. He said, you wouldn't believe how much my dad learned in just two years. Yeah, that's the way it is. The song is Teach Your Children Well. It's by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Must have a code that you can live by, and so become yourself. Because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well, their father's hell. It slowly go by and feed them on your dreams. The one they picked, the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why if they told you you would cry. So just look at them and Four young men, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, except that they're not young anymore, but their voices still sound absolutely wonderful to me. We're with Mark Morgan, who's sharing his song of the soul. 
You mentioned, Mark, that you fell in love with that song long before you ever thought about having children. Has having had children changed your relationship to that song? Only in the fact that it has strengthened it. Having my first child, Joel, was amazing. Built a very healthy relationship with him right from the beginning. And then Nate came along two and a half years later. And now the oldest, Joel, is gone and the youngest is still at home. And Nate and I have really started to sharpen our relationship. Both of them are absolutely unbelievable young men and really proud to be their father. And they're really tall, big young men with big feet. What, what are their heights, respectively? Joel, the oldest, he stands 6'6", six, six, and Nate teeters right at the edge of 6'9", six, 6'10", six, almost right now. So they're a little taller than average. I think Nate wears a size 16 shoe. You mentioned, Mark, that one of the things you do in terms of energy efficiency and all that kind of things is downsizing of homes. How the heck can you downsize a home with kids like yours? It's funny. Joel would sleep up in the loft at the house, took that space for himself. And the one day I came home, they both had fallen asleep up in the loft. Well, the loft is only six foot deep. So I come home and hear their feet are hanging off the end of the mattresses into the house about a foot. And they're, you know, size 14 and 16 feet hanging off the end of it. It was rather cute. We lived in a house, a small house. I have never finished the inside, so we don't have any interior doors, although we do have one on the bathroom now for about three years. So privacy in our house was if you wanted it, you asked for it, and it was granted, or you went outside and found it. Of course, in 24 acres, you can find that. So we lived rather open and pretty close. Uh, the other day, I woke Nate up to get ready for school and said I wanted to talk to him about the day he comes in, sits on the bed, lays his head over on my shoulder. I remember this is a 6'10", 300-pound young man, leans his head over on his shoulder, wraps his arm across my chest, and just sits there and snuggles with me as we discuss how the day is going to go. Couldn't ask for better. Sounds like a really good relationship. Do you ever get accused of being something of a dreamer? N- never, not not once, no. <laughs> uh, not more than once every couple of minutes a day, actually. Yeah, I, I would say that. Oh, yeah, I did. Maybe that's one of the songs I should have put on there. <laughs> or did I? <laughs> they all have something to do with dreams. From young on, that's been a really, really large part of my life is Dream, Dream Association, my friend, Greg, who's the ex-Lutheran pastors, uh, also studied Jungian psychology at the University of Chicago. And it's just amazing to sit down with him and go over dreams and, and what that might mean and how that does. It's, I love dream time. It's a way to foster my life. That is nighttime dreams. The daytime dreams are even better. It's part of what pushes me on in life. You did pick a song originally by John Lennon called Imagine which says, you may say I'm a dreamer in it. But you chose a version of the song that's not by John Lennon. Why'd you pick this one, and why is this song specifically? Is it the dreaming that's essential to you in this song? Well, imagine John Lennon just writing the song is amazing. What it says to me and what I think it says to the world is is an important message today, maybe even more so today than the day that he wrote it. And Eva Cassidy that sings this, as young, well, was a young woman. She died of cancer, I believe, in her mid-30s, and uh, just a fantastic artist. Another one of these souls that died pretty young, but who was amazingly talented and had vision for the world in her own. And singing his song, the rendition of it, I, I really enjoy that. 
It's called Imagine, and this version is done by Eva Cassidy. Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all the people
That was Eva Cassidy with John Lennon's song, Imagine. Mark, you included that in your Song of the Soul, I think, because of how important living out your vision is to you. Can you say something about the essential components of your vision of how you want your own life to be? It's been a strange life for me in a lot of ways to try and come to a place of that now. 52 years old of stepping through life, dreaming, continuing to dream, and the dream changing and evolving, yet never losing its core. Not from the day that I was, I can remember back in the nine, ten year range, sitting in the chair in the basement trying to figure out, wow, what is this life all about? What do I want it to be? The dream, the imagination, the hope that has always uh, driven me and sustained me to go through, whether it's in work or relationship, whether it be a lover or a child or a friend. Sometimes it's gotten there, sometimes it hasn't. So give me some concrete examples of what your dream is. For me as a young man, it was really heart-driven towards relationship. I got married straight out of high school, the love of my life, as I thought then, and we were supposed to wed and have a beautiful life together. Well, didn't quite turn out that way. It lasted three years, got a divorce. Then I started turning more towards my career and got an apprenticeship, started turning into what did I want to do for a living. And then the living changed to what do I want to do for life. I, once I had my apprenticeship done, I got out of the union, went into business for myself, and that was at the same time that I started having children. So here I have a fledgling business and two young men and how do I set my life in motion so that I'm proud of it, so that my boys are proud of it, so that I'm giving something to the world, that that meant a lot to me. At that same time, I started doing a lot of volunteering, too, Habitat for Humanity and environmental groups and uh, homeless missions and Special Olympics and Midwest Renewable Energy Association and the food pantry and across the board trying to look at, okay, what does life really mean to me? It wasn't ever about earning money, not ever. I tried to focus on it for a while, but it just didn't make me happy at all. And I didn't think it was going to show my boys how to live very well. I imagine that more than once you've been told that you look through rose-colored glasses at the world, that you're too idealistic, that you're not realistic enough. Is that a fair assumption that you get told that? Most definitely, although it brings up a time at a party where we did have rose-colored glasses and we passed them around, and it was interesting to see how people's uh, personalities changed when they had the rose-colored glasses on. You could assume a different identity, uh, some drastic, some not, but it was real fun to pass them around to have people wear them and watch what happened when they were wearing them. So, yeah, I look through rose-colored glasses. I, I still do, and I will. I will forever. I want to find the best in myself and in others and in the world. Yeah. Whatever I can do to have that happen, I'll do that. Is there any part of that rose-colored glass thinking that has particularly drawn heat towards you? Heat and naivety, you would say, oh, yeah, that's uh, not that I haven't had wounds or don't have them still or, or, or haven't had sadness an immense amount. And, yeah, it's, it's drawn heat both from others but from inside myself, my own self-criticism at times and my own self-defeating attitude. Yeah, definitely. So why did you pick Rose-Colored Glasses by Liz Woodworth? Liz is a really neat lady. I met her up by Bayfield just this last year. I, she was sitting in outside of a little restaurant singing, and the song itself has a lot to do with really looking at life with having a glass half full rather than half empty. 
And I actually look at my life mostly as three quarters full or overflowing, so it's it's hard for me to get it down to half full now. It's Rose Colored Glasses and it's by Liz Woodworth. Wise men once told me that I smile too damn much. Perhaps he was right in a way. But I'll lay down half of my earnings this year that I'll enjoy better today. This world is too much with us, the poets have said, and with us right up to our eyes. So drink while you may laugh for today, and look for the truth and dispel all the lies. Fill up my rose color glasses, make my half empty, half full.
That was Rose-Colored Glasses by Liz Woodworth. This is a Northern Spirit radio production called Song of the Soul, and my guest today for Song of the Soul is Mark Morgan, and he's walking us through the music that speaks of his spiritual path and his journey in life. What do you got for us next, Mark? This artist, uh, Bernie Ledden, I'm not sure if it's Ledden or Leiden, he was with the Eagles. I teach up at North House Folk School in Grand Marais, and a guy by the name of John Vesner actually started a once-a-year benefit concert up there, and he brought Bernie up with him the first year and the second year. But the first year, Bernie came, and he sang the song, I'm a Violent and Profane Man, and it really spoke to the two sides of Mark Morgan. Many people have said, well, geez, Mark's just a big teddy bear, but there is the grizzly bear, too, that you back me in a corner, I'm going to survive just like anybody else will. But I really believe in without light, we won't know what dark is. Without dark, we won't know what light is. Without happiness, we won't know what sadness is. So for me, it's both sides. It's a total person that there is the vile and the profane and the sacred. And this spoke to being honest with myself, as as he did in the song, and, and owning that there is the vile and profane side to me. Any particular proof that you can give us that you're a vile and profane man? No. <laughs> um, through my life, I've had uh, my temper. I've been angry. Things have hurt me. I've, I've become angry. I've said things to people, and my son specifically, that I many times have to go back and apologize for. It doesn't happen frequently, but enough that I'm, I'm human. I, yeah, definitely. I don't like to necessarily live in that, but I'll own that it's there. Would this be also the stuff that, from men's group, you would call your shadow work? Definitely. And my shadow has been alive and well for a long time, and I've recognized it for almost my whole life. When I was a young man, I had quite the temper, and I had to do a lot of work around uh, reeling that in. Through the years, I've understood that there was a lot of validity to that temper. I'm rereading Care of the Soul by Thomas More right now, and in there, one of the things that he says is that there is no cure, that it's learning what your soul is, who your soul is, and applying that to your world and to your relationship, not fixing it, but finding it. So for me, it was looking back now at then and finding out what was it that was actually pissing me off and why did I feel the need to lash out. And when I look back at it, it was really righteous to be pissed off. There were things going on in my life that weren't right. And as a young man, I had no understanding of how I could change that. So let's go back to the good old days with Mark Morgan, something that carries forward. The song is A Vile and a Profane Man by Bernie Lee. I am a vile and a profane man I don't expect you to understand If you don't like the things I do Well, I don't give a My 
said, Mark, that you relate to the Native American spirituality more so than other forms. What about that particularly fits better for you than the Lutheran faith you were raised with? And I think you were Unitarian for a while in between, too, or attended a Unitarian place. What about Native American spirituality particularly feels more like a fit for Mark Morgan? Well, for me, it's it's more of a nature-based, but it's also a living of a, every day, not to go to church on Sunday or Saturday or, or once a week. Tom Brown Jr.'s book, uh, Grandfather, his mentor, grandfather, lived spirituality every day, gave thanks every day. Most people for a long time thought of Native American spirituality as more of a pagan base, that they would pray to all these gods, the wind the rain. Well, they they really weren't, from my understanding. From my understanding, they were giving thanks to Creator for the wind, for the rain, for Mother Earth. And they weren't praying to them, although they did have their rituals that focused on them, but it was really a gift from Grandfather. So a real earth-based, daily spiritual base, uh, rather than go to Sunday church and pray and then go back to whatever you do the rest of the week. Do you feel like your upbringing made it look like a dichotomy, that is to say the Lutheran church that you were part of felt like a Sunday-only thing and then the daily life didn't really match? Again, going back to the story of the hypocrites in church, very much so that I watched so many people in church and not carry it out of church. Many people in my life that I still call friends live more like that. That's not who I am, and it's fine that that's who they are. As uh, George's dad said, them's who needs it goes to it. And it's not saying that that's bad that they need it or that they go to it. It's You get to celebrate in your way and I get to celebrate in mine. And I found that it's more consistent with my soul 
to follow more of a native or pagan-based uh, spirituality than what is lived out as a Christian or a religion. And not that I'm anti-Christian or anything. I believed if any of us were to be able to emulate Christ or Buddha or Muhammad or whoever we might want to call as our, our savior or follow, we'd be much better off. Well, you mentioned nature spirituality is big for you, and the next song is called The Woods. I think it must be talking about your spirituality. Is that why you picked this one out? Patchouli is a group. Hi, Bruce and Julie. Uh, they're great. They're local from uh, Maiden Rock area, and very much it's uh, in the woods, in the water, based as that's where I find my home, my, my soul. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard patchouli before. Do they tour a lot, or where does one get a hold of them? They are out of Maiden Rock, Wisconsin. They tour a lot. They mostly stay in the Midwest. They have played at the Acoustic Cafe, and they play down at the campus, and they've played for a couple of stars. They play up at Mabel Tainter, so they play quite a bit in the area, quite a bit in the cities. I also see that they get down into Iowa and Illinois a lot, do a lot of campuses around the Midwest, but I've also seen their schedule down in Texas, and they talk about being down in Texas and stuff too. They're absolutely fantastic. Bruce is an unbelievable a guitarist, and Julie is unbelievable vocalist as well as plays a number of different instruments, and they're just alive. It's, it's fun to watch them work together. I go to the woods to feel good. And I go to the river to let my mind run. I go to the mountain to gain perspective. I go to the fields to open up. I look to the lake to reflect. I look to the sky to imagine. I travel highways to go somewhere new. I go to the woods. Abuse has always been easy. It's love 
that takes practice and patience. It's love that takes practice and patience. I go to the woods to feel good, and I go to the river to let my mind run. I go to the mountain to gain perspective. I go to the fields to open up. I look to the lake to reflect. To the sky to imagine I travel highways To go somewhere new I go to the woods To feel there And I go to the river To let my mind run I go to the mountain To gain perspective I go to the fields To open up I look to the lake to reflect I look to the sky to imagine I travel highways to go somewhere new, I go to the world. just caught a beautiful glimpse of patchouli and their song the woods go right ahead and google them and see where they're playing and try and find the full range of their wonderful music you know something you mentioned earlier on i don't think that you developed it as much as deserves could you talk a little bit about how you make your living i'm a carpenter designer builder and over the years i've really really moved into what is uh, coined as sustainable design and development or construction. For me, that means uh, having people really, really look into their soul, into the heart, why they're building, what they're building, how does this function for them or not function for them, what impact on the world does it have, what materials are they using, what kind of energy is involved, not only in the sustaining of that building over its life, but in the construction of it. Coming from a, a standard construction background and apprenticeship and mainstream construction showed me how much waste there is. So I teach this now. I build this. I design this uh, using passive solar, active solar, masonry mass stoves, earthen plasters, earthen floors, as much local and sustainable type building as I can. Most of the time right now in today's culture, that means building smaller living with less than what you really think you need. Um, one of the classes I teach really challenges people's beliefs in the difference between need and desire. What do we really need? What do we really desire? And not that one is good or bad, but it's being able to understand which one you are working out of and why. How is building this or living in this going to sustain your life, not only on a functional sense, but also on an emotional sense. Is this building, this building, going to give you what you're looking for, or are you really looking for something else? I believe you call your company Bear Paw Construction. Why is it Bear Paw? 
Well, it's actually Bear Paw Design and Construction, but I've been referred to as a bear since a little boy on. I was uh, referred to as Mogi Bear. And again, so many people have, well, you're such a teddy bear. And within Native American spirituality, bear is one of my totem animals, very much an introspective person. Uh, just connect with it. As I'm walking through the woods or driving down the road, I see them quite frequently, visit in dreams. So I have adopted that as the name of my uh, company. Let's move on to the next couple songs you got to finish up your Song of the Soul, Mark. Blackbird, only not by the Beatles. Why did you pick Blackbird and why did you pick Crosby, Stills, and Nash to sing it? Blackbird's been one of, again, my favorite songs. I thought the Beatles were an amazing group, and and the songs they wrote were fantastic. And looking at Flying Dreams, my favorite. I get to fly all the time in my dreams. Beautiful song. Crosby, Stills, and Nash do an absolutely wonderful harmony choral rendition of it. The Flying, the Dreams, the Dead of Night, it all all speaks to me as well as just the way that they did it. Uh, The song itself from the Beatles, but then the Crosby, Stills, and Nash song is speaks to me blackbird singing in the dead of night take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life you were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly song blackbird original by the beatles this version by crosby stills and nash mark you said that in your dreams flying is a big thing for you it's uh something really calls you and you've told me at times in the past about an urge you have to just i think go off and wander the countryside where does that fit in with your spiritual beliefs 
to be rooted or to fly away. I mean, there's different animals have different habits. I think a, a bear doesn't tend to range near as far as the high-flying blackbird. So where does it fit in with you in, your, in terms of your values, staying put, traveling? I've done a lot of staying put in my life, so I've been grounded and responsible for a long time, though I've always had this fly, fly high, achieve, do, see. I want to fill myself up with all the experiences that I can. I heard the object of life is not to wind up at the pearly cates upright and intact, but to slide inside ways yelling, holy shit, what a ride. And I'd rather do the holy shit, what a ride side. And now that my youngest is about to leave, yeah, I do want to see more. I, but the way I want to travel is, is not the way most people do. It's uh, I want to continue to do my work. I want to meet people in their real lives. I don't want to go stay at a five-star hotel or necessarily anything like that. And I've been able to fit some of that in within my life, doing some of the volunteering that I do. I, I would rather do that than go on vacation. When you were talking about your connection to Native American spirituality, you pointed out that Native Americans, while they may have named spirits in different forms, they were really all talking about the one creator. Is a monotheism kind of idea of God important to you? I mean, we tend to think of that as a rude assumption here in the U.S., but I'm not sure that it has to be your assumption. For me, it's really moved to a place, and it's been gradual over the years, that some of my teachings as a Christian created in God's image. Christ was a human. So I started to think, well, if I was created in God's image and Christ was God's son, and well, so am I. So am I God also. One thing I didn't like about religion is from what I got from it, it was really holding me back from being able to really be part of creator or that I could be Christ. I believe all of us could be Christ. It's, most of us won't do that because when you're a savior, they're going to kill you. <laughs> They'll crucify you almost all the time. Great book is Illusions by Richard Bach, The Reluctant Messiah. But it's not that I can, it's not that I will, it's whether I can or can't, whether I choose to. And God gave us free will. That comes all from the Christian upbringing. And it ties into me so clearly with the open spirituality that I am God, that I could be Christ, that these are all available to me. How much do I want to achieve? How good could I be? Well, speaking of how good you could be, the last song that you chose for your song of the soul is God Ain't Done With Me Yet. So what's in store for Mark Morgan from God coming up? Well, this is another song by Bernie, and to go from a violent, a profane man to God Ain't Done With Me Yet, that album Mirror, I believe it's called, all the beautiful things that he goes to in that album, it, it shows for me, or mirrors to me, that multifaceted person that I am. And God Ain't Done With Me Yet, not only in the sense of at 52 years old, I look at mortality more than I did, obviously, at 22, but it's also, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm done being a father very shortly. I'm not finding the same satisfaction in the building and the design that I once did, although I'm not going to be done with that either. But I want a full life, and God ain't done with me yet. I have a lot more to learn, a lot more to experience, and I can't wait. Come up hard or come up lean, but I always have. Things I need A mother's love A father's toy 
has raised me right up from the soil And to that soil I shall return When I have learned what I must learn Help me to walk into that light Where even darkness has no fright God ain't done with me yet God ain't done with me yet I'm getting what I need to get Everything's alright I He might need a piece of string That's what I think of while I pray That God ain't throwing me away God ain't done with me yet God ain't done with me yet I'm getting Everything's alright, I guess God ain't done with me
That was Bernie Layton, God Ain't Done With Me Yet. And that was the final song for Mark Morgan's Song of the Soul. Although, if you get together with him, I'm sure he can share with you a lot more songs that flesh out his journey, his vision, his beliefs. Can you name one song that you would have included in this collection, Mark? And since we don't have time to play it, could you just sing me a verse or so? There was a poem done by Cahill Gabron on children, and Sweet Honey in the Rock did a choral to it many years back. But um, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but they are not from you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. You can give them your love, but not your thoughts. They have their own thoughts. They have their own thoughts. You can house their bodies, but not their souls. For their souls dwell in a place of tomorrow, which you may not visit, not even in your dreams. You can strive to be like them, but you cannot make them just like you. The poem goes on from there that you are the bow and creator is the archer and your child is the arrow and you do no more than launch them into life. And I've been pleased <laughs> to be a father and watch my boys grow and uh, their their um, successes are theirs and their failures are theirs. And they've both been very successful and I'm sure they've failed and I'm sure they'll fail again. I'm sure they'll succeed even more. And all along, they'll have a father. Thanks so much for sharing your song of the soul, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you, Mark. You've been listening to the song of the soul of Mark Morgan, a father, an activist, and the owner of Bear Paw Design and Construction, Sustainable Living Construction. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.